It's Carl's show today. You got me for all the major speaking parts. Uh, we have a lot of people on vacation. Actually, interestingly enough, I told Mary that I didn't expect 30 people to be here, and that included the kids because so many people were on vacation. And I got a double surprise because my small group actually showed up, which past couple times I've preached, they've managed to avoid to do that. So we're doubly blessed. Um, today's sermon is called Going Through the Motions. It's going to be based out of Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. And like Rick Ayton, when he preached um, last year for us, another one of the elders, he talked about how he had been influenced by a song, Casting Crowns in this case, I Can Only Imagine. Well, uh, last year when Matthew West's song came out, Going Through the Motions, it struck me, it kind of impacted me the first couple times I heard it. And then as I listened more and more, as you often do with songs, it seemed like it was hitting more and more and more in my life. I would love to sing it for you. My daughter and family would be mortified if I did. So instead, I'm going to play a clip that has it at the background. And why this clip is playing, I want you to pay attention to the dot that's in there. You'll understand when it goes. Because it's going to be the basis of our action points later. You can roll the clip, please. But I know that I've got to make a change I don't care if I break At least I'll be feeling something Cause just okay is not enough Help me fight through the nothingness of life Have you ever felt like that black dot where you things were going great, it was going, and then you notice just before it became the red dot, and those will be the key phrases, black dot and red dot, where he just kind of, and he was going through the motion, just boom, boom, boom. Have you ever felt that way? I have. I've felt that way 
in many things, and not just in my Christian walk. Um, and this is geared out towards the Christians right now. There's many places where we can go through the motions. First, in family relationships. And even though we know, we know, in the Bible, and I'll give you two verses here, how we're to be with our family. In Ephesians 5, 22 through 27, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and present her to himself as a radiant church without stains or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I don't know about you all, but in my own family relationships, not only with Mary and the kids, but you know, my mother and father, there are times when I've gone through the motion and say, I'm supposed to submit to my parents. Or treat my wife pure and blameless, you know, washing her in the word. Maybe we break out the Bible and do it, but I'm going through the motions in that. I suspect many people are like that. Or at the work. In the workplace, Ephesians 6, or excuse me, Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, working as the Lord, not for men. I can't count the number of times I've gone through the motion at work. Actually, as some of you know, when I stepped down from administration of the hospital and went back into full-time practice, I can say my last three months was nothing but punching the ticket of, I know I need to do well. I'm going to go through the motions. I'm going to show up. I'm going to make my meetings. I'm going to mentor like I'm supposed to do. But there was no work with all of my heart, working as for the Lord. Instead, it was, oh, Lord, just get me through this. How about in relationships at church? 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are many in this congregation who have served in many capacities and have shared with me that I serve because I have to. It's not serving because it's, I'm serving others. It's not serving because it's my gift, because I feel the obligation to do it. I've been there. I've done it. Especially in this time of transition as we're waiting for the Lord to bring us our next senior minister. A lot of people have stepped up, which has been great. But what's your heart? Are you going through the motions when you're doing it? I can honestly say there's times when I have. And finally, what about your relationship with Christ? In Mark 22:37, you know, Christ is answering the question, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. You know, that's the greatest commandment. I can look myself in the mirror every day and say there are times when I can just, I love the Lord and I know it. But do I have that wellspring in my heart that's saying, oh, I love the Lord, or am I going through the motions of thank you, Lord, for loving me and what you did? There are days when I have not been able to do that. So what causes us to disconnect? What causes us to just go through the motions? There are many things. I'm going to focus on three here today. The first is burnout. And if you remember the video, and you saw that little black dot bouncing around everywhere, hitting everybody, but it didn't seem like anything changed. There's sometimes a lack of focus in it. You, know, you want to do everything so well. Sometimes it's the excitement. We say in medicine, there's nothing more exciting nor dangerous as a new intern because they're so excited to have their MD, they want to go out there and do a thousand things. By the end of their first six months, they're so burnt out that they actually have programs to deal with that. So burnout's a big problem. And it's a real problem in the church because we say we're serving God. 
in many capacities. Isn't it great to serve God? We should be serving, serving, serving is for God's glory. Yeah, Bill Hybels, um, pastor at uh, Willow Creek, was church. Now it's a large conglomeration of churches. Suffered with this after his first, I believe it was eight to ten years. Uh, he felt like he was doing everything. And later we'll talk about his solution to it. But he, in a very God-blessed ministry, suffered burnout. I think we all can suffer burnout. Second is isolation. Um, sometimes we separate ourselves or are separated from those who can help us. You know, sometimes it's we separate ourselves because we're embarrassed about something. Maybe something's happened at the job or with the family, with the kids, something that's embarrassing you and you don't want to be around people because of it. Um, sometimes it can be, and it's been talked about here from the pulpit before, maybe suffering from depression or just feeling down. And the energy to get in contact with others is too much. You know, maybe it's in the small group and you feel it's just too much. Or the praise service Friday night is a great example. By the end of the day, ah, oh, just don't have the energy. But we've isolated ourselves that way. Sometimes it happens to us. Maybe it's a job move or a family move uh, for the youth that are going on to college. There's going to be some isolation. But it's how we deal with isolation that's going to make a difference. And finally, there's sin. Um, sin causes us to be separated from God. That's the core of the gospel. We were separated from God due to sin, the Garden of Eden. Intellectually, we all know that. But if we have sin in our lives, it impacts our relationship with God. Now, we have means to deal with it, but when we don't, we're separated. When we attempt to do something for God, we end up going through the motions because we are separated. I think the bottom line on disconnection is when we try to rely on ourselves, that's when we get in trouble. We end up going through the motions, whether it's we're burnout, whether we're isolated, whether we have a sin issue. But for whatever reason, when we try to rely on ourselves, we get the great disconnect. And this happens both in the Christian walk as well as the secular walk of life. Well, as those of you who have heard me preach before, you know I like to give a little background, Bible verses that we go into. And we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40. But before we go on, a little bit of history. Who was Isaiah? Well, it's a book of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. But he was an 8th century B.C. prophet, and he reigned during four kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hekaziah. And if your Bible has, like mine does, the handy little timeline, you can go through and you can parse through where it is. And often there's a little bar on there, too, that says, the prophet Isaiah. <laughs> but that's when he was um, present on this earth. His name means Yahweh's salvation. Last week, Michael Blakely talked about how names meant something. For a lot, uh, People were named for a reason, especially in the Old Testament times. His meant Yahweh's salvation. Now, his two sons, I didn't write it down, but their names were uh, geared towards calling out the Israelites. I encourage you to look it up. Per Jewish tradition, this is not found in the Bible, he was executed by being sawed in half during the reign of um, Manasseh, to appease the pagans. Now, this is Talmudic tradition. It's not in the Bible, but in the writer of Hebrews in 1137, when they're talking about the heroes of faith, writes, they were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. And it's felt by the scholars that that's who they're referring to as Isaiah. Now, is it in the Bible, Isaiah was cut into? No, it's not. But again, the tradition is, through the Jewish tradition, is that he was executed by the king that followed, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hekaziah, by being sought into to appease the pagans that were starting to have more influence. He was a contemporary of the prophets Hosea and Micah. Again, they've written books of the Bible. He was a contemporary of them. 
He was a prophet in Judah. And if you remember biblical history, maybe you don't know this, when Israel split, Judah was the southern kingdom. It had Jerusalem in it. And Israel was the northern kingdom. And at the time that Isaiah was around, he was prophet to Judah, and Israel had been conquered by the Assyrians. So at the time of his writing, at the time of his life, there had been the separation of Israel, and he was in the remaining part that had not been conquered. He wrote the book that carries his name, Isaiah. And historically, this book has been considered a book that he wrote the entire thing. Now there is a belief among some biblical scholars that it was actually written in several parts. He wrote the first 39 chapters, and others were written by later um, authors, and imaginatively named Isaiah 1, 2, and 3. Excuse me, 2, 3, and 4, sorry. There's no proof, and there's things that could go either way. I choose personally believe that he wrote the entire book, and part of that is because in the second part of the book, it's prophecy, and that prophecy did come true. And people talk about semantics, but one of the things there is, in his book, he wrote, used the term salvation like 36 times, and there's only like eight times in the rest of the prophets that it's used. It fit his writing. Am I right? I don't know. A question to ask God in heaven or Isaiah himself. But I am preaching from the basis that he wrote the entire book. Chapters 1 through 39, which if you notice, there's 39 books of the Old Testament. There's 39 chapters in the first section of Isaiah. is known as the Book of Judgments. If you read it, he's calling out the sins of the Israelites, of the Jews of the time. Um, when you read your Bible, different people respond to different things. Leviticus and the beginning of Isaiah is very tough for me to read. It just seems to monotonous and droning. But there's excellent, excellent information there. And I encourage you in your daily reading to go through Isaiah. The second component, 40 through 66, again, 66 chapters, 66 books of the Bible. Often Isaiah has been compared to the Bible because of that, the total Bible. It's called the Book of Comfort. It's actually prophetic writing that Isaiah wrote before it happened when the Jews of Jerusalem were taken away to Babylon when they were conquered. And it's offering comfort, telling them what's going to happen, but that God has not forsaken them. Now, in the Jews in Babylon at the time that this this was written before, but the time that it applies to, they were Jewish. They were allowed to practice a limited form of Judaism, but they had no temple to make sacrifice. They had no means to bring their religion together. They were being integrated into a polytheistic or a many-god empire. So it was meant to help them focus and come back to God. And Isaiah also has a number of the prophecies that we as Christians look at and say, yes, he was talking about Jesus at the time, the Lamb of God, other um, prophecies. So that was Isaiah. And we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40, the last five verses. Chapter, or verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is dis- disregarded by my God? Think back again to the time frame. This is being written to Jews that have been pulled to Babylon. They very well could feel, where is God? We've been abandoned by him. They're being assimilated into this empire that has many different gods. You know, they're probably tired. They're probably frustrated. It's very easy to see, and a lot of biblical scholars say, you picture them going through the motions. They're celebrating their feasts, but they really can't sacrifice. Um, They meet like they're called to meet, and they have a bar mitzvah, but it's not really meaning much to them. They're going through the motions. Well, Isaiah, in the first Two lines there's calling them out. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? 
Remember the sons of Jacob. Remember Israel, God's chosen people. He's reminding them of who they are. And my way is hidden from the Lord. And my cause, my way is hidden from the Lord. And my cause is disregarded by my God. He's saying, why are you complaining about this? You are the son of God. Or the, you are the sons of God. Why are you complaining? You have this complaint. Then the next verse, he kind of makes a jump in 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. It's kind of slapping across the face, kind of like I say when I want to grab the kids by the ears and say, pay attention to me. Don't you know who he is? Have you not heard who he is? This is the everlasting God. He created everything. We can't understand him. We can't fathom him all. We understand a small piece. Now, as most people when prayer, prepare sermons, we look at commentaries, we read uh, other sermons you know, to get a feel for what we're going to speak about. In this case, when I got to this verse, I realized what, in one sentence what Isaiah is trying to do is talk about the majesty of God. And when we talk about that, it's very hard. I started to write down a list of you know, questions about God and the majesty and the excitement and everything. And as I compiled it, I remember, those of you know, I've preached before, I mentioned the Truth Project put out. I'm going to make a plug for it. It is a great program. Um, there's a video clip in it that I'm going to show here in a little bit. That um, It's called Through the Eyes of a Child. How children often can grasp how we can't fathom God. And as we look at this video clip, I want us to remember this as we look last line here. And his understanding no one can fathom. We may not understand what God's going on. The Jews certainly didn't. But as we try to piece together just the majesty and power of God. We aren't meant to. Roll the clip. We had a little difficulty here, so hopefully it will roll in. Start that place. The stars never fall. Why dry land is never satisfied by why fire never says enough. Remember, we're talking about the majesty and how we can't fathom God. Why the wind blows? Huh? 
Huh, huh. Did you ever wonder how an eagle floats through the sky? Where ideas come from? Where babies come from? Where people go when they die? Where heaven is? Did you know that my fingerprint is the only one like it in the entire world? My tongue, too. Do you ever wonder how a hummingbird can fly up to 60 miles per hour and come up to an abrupt stop? Wings must be at 70 beats per second. Crazy. Cool. Did you ever wonder why there are so many beautiful shades of skin? Why a lizard can grow a new tail? No way. No way. Here's one for you. In the time that it takes me to tell you this little known fact, 50,000 cells in your body will die down and be replaced with new ones. Did you ever wonder how a sneeze zooms out of your mouth at over a hundred miles per hour? And how a mustard seed the size of a pinhead can grow into a very big tree? How a caterpillar can turn into a beautiful butterfly? If there's anything at the end of the galaxy, if there's anything outside of time, how it all starts, how it all stays, and where is it going? Did you ever wonder? I do. I do. So if we wonder about all these things, is it not surprising to us that we don't understand God? As Isaiah is saying to the Jews, we can't fathom him. We may be in positions that we don't understand that have put us going through the motions. But if we don't understand those questions about God, I love the one about a hummingbird that can go 60 miles an hour to a dead stop and beats 70 times a second. How does that happen? We don't know. Why would we expect to understand what God's doing. We know he has a plan for us. We know that there's a purpose, but we may not understand it. And that's one of the best examples I've seen of, if you can't answer these questions, why would you expect to understand everything God's trying to do? Quick plug to the side. Truth Project is a great study. Sometime, our small group did it this past year. We'll probably, Mary and I, lead another small group study on it at some point. It is wonderful. If you have the opportunity, whether it's at this church or elsewhere, to do it, it is fabulous. It looks at the world through the Bible. And I highly encourage you to do that. So Isaiah has acknowledged that the Jews are complaining and they feel left out. He's challenged them and said, why would you expect to understand what God's doing? Has he not created everything? But then he goes to, as any good sermon message does, an action point. You know, what is what are you supposed to do? And in Isaiah 29, or 40, 29 through 30, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even the youths grow weary and tired, and young men stumble and fall. I want to make a point before we dive into this. He doesn't say it's a sin to be tired. He doesn't say you're wrong when you stumble and fall. When you fall in the physical sense or you fail. I'm not talking about spiritual falling here. This is more when your body gives out. Isaiah's not saying that's bad, you've sinned, you've failed because of this. He's saying it happens. Even the youths, which are you know, those with the most energy, anybody that has teenagers can verify that. You see these kids do things on the court that when you're 40 years old, you go out and try to do and you hurt yourself. You know, they grow tired. They stumble. You know, we often get caught up into the fact that when we're weak, we've failed. You know, we're useless. But remember... God created us that way. There's no shame in being appropriately tired, weary, or weak. But God gives us an out. 
It says right there, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. God can provide what you need to move on past that stage. Now in 31, the final verse that we're going to go through, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Interesting fact, have you ever seen an eagle or any other large bird fly? You see when they're soaring up there, they aren't doing the work. They're using the wind and the thermals to keep themselves up. They're using their wings just to kind of be up there and hold themselves up. That's the point he's making here is God will give us power. He'll give us strength, but it's his power and strength that brings us up when he renews it. It's not ours. And when he does that, we need to remember as well, he's giving us the strength to use for him. He's not giving it just, well, I'm tired today, please give me strength. No, when we're given strength and power, it's to do his work. And we need to remember that. All things work according to God's will. Why would you expect to get that additional help from God when you hope in the Lord and ask to renew your strength if you're not walking with the Lord, if you're not doing his will? But what Isaiah is saying to the Jews here at the time is, turn to the Lord. Don't forget the Lord. He will give you power to soar. He will let you continue to work for me. But you need to turn to me. So, how can we be that red dot in the video? Looking at Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. Bringing it back up, burnout. Remember our first point, burnout? You've got to avoid it. Avoid burnout. Ask God for help to help you focus and prioritize. I talked about interns that scatter a million different ways and burn out. Well, Bill Hybels did the same thing. If you look at the New Testament, Jesus went off during times of his ministry to recharge. Um, top functioning ministries, corporate uh, corporations, as well as sports teams, specifically have plans to deal with burnout. There's nothing wrong was saying you need to take a break. Ask the Lord to help you to prioritize and focus on where you need to be. Remember I mentioned Bill Hybels. His solution at the time was he went back after eight to ten years of ministry and said, I'm going to burn out. I was on every team. I was on every board. I preached every sermon. I got two weeks off and felt guilty for taking two weeks off. I made every home call. Um, Very common, maybe even some people in this congregation, maybe a minister, might do something like that. But, <laughs> sorry Mike, what you need to do, he took it, he created team teaching. They now have a team of teachers that get up and teach. He has a sabbatical every summer where he takes eight weeks off with their blessing to recharge his batteries and refocus. We all need to do the same. If you're in a job where you're burning out, you need to take a step back. I was burning the candle at both ends when I was a vice president. When I first went into ER, I did the same thing, worked every extra shift. When you know you're doing a good job, you want to do it. When you're serving the Lord in particular, how can you not serve the Lord? But you need to avoid the burnout. Second, isolation. Fight it. Don't let it happen. Don't give in to separating yourself from other godly people. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You may feel that you are the only one who's going to have this happen to you. But you're not. I'm amazed by the number of times in my office when I'll have somebody come in and say, 
And this isn't just related to depression or an illness. They'll say, I thought I was the only one struggling with this. That's the reason there's support groups for diabetes, for depression, for multiple sclerosis. Because so many people go through it, but we tend to want to isolate ourselves. As a church family, we need to be together. You need to fight the isolation. If you're struggling with something, you need to bring it forward. If you feel yourself being pulled away, picture that red dot or the black dot, I should say. Remember how in the end it was sitting there and then everything kind of piled on it and got buried and burst up out of it and then just kind of went through the motions? Now picture if there was a series of dots around him, have a group of godly people around you helping you. It would have made all the difference in the world. Sin. We all have it. We're all going to do it. I don't care who you are, giving yourself life to Christ or not yet. You're going to have sin in your life. But it's how we deal with it that makes the difference. If you've given your life to Christ, you need to acknowledge it, repent from it, and move on and do your darndest not to have it happen again. You know, God's not going to give us power to sin no more, but he's going to give us forgiveness through his son who died on the cross so that that sin's wiped away. We had a pastor, and I know some of you have heard me say this before, Tom Anthony over at uh, Crosspoint before he moved on out to Texas, so that he could tell in his prayer life. If he had a, what he felt was a sin issue or a disconnect, he would pray and felt like his prayers were bouncing off the ceiling right back down. And he knew he had to turn around, get that sin dealt with. It disconnects us. Remember that red dot that comes bouncing across, or this way, to the black dot, touches, you know, the Holy Spirit coming into that black dot? Well, if you've got sin there, it's not going to happen. God's given us an out. That's the gospel message. His son died on the cross. His blood was shed. Holy Spirit can indwell upon us, or indwell within us, and we can become that red dot, but not till we address the sin. We all have it. Acknowledge it. Move on. Again, if in isolation it makes it hard, that's where godly people coming around you. If you're burnt out, you may just choose to deal with sin instead of addressing it. Don't. Address the sin. And finally, fourth point that wasn't up there, God, embrace him. Embrace God. He created us to live with him. If you're not a Christian in here, now's the time to become one. We talked about uh, Romans, or excuse me, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And a lot of people have memorized that verse. Yet when you look at 22 through 24, this righteousness from God comes from, through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through redemption that came from Christ Jesus. If you have not accepted that justification, now's the time to do it. Don't sit there and have a red dot sitting over here and be that black dot and be driven down. Okay? If you are a Christian, ask for renewal from God. If you're struggling with going through the motions, you know, in Psalm 1529, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. He does hear us. He has a plan for us. If we're working in his purpose, it says in 31, he's going to provide power that we will soar. Soar on his power like eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not be faint doing his purpose. If you are a Christian, ask for that to do his work. Thinking back to that video, we have those four steps. Wouldn't you like to be at the end of life, like it says, to look back and say, I have no regrets. I've given it all. Not in a way that's unhealthy, but
but in one that embraces God, that really steps out. The end of the life, Mike Davidson's father passed this past week, and he made the comment that he couldn't have scripted it any better. Wouldn't that be great on the deathbed that you say, I couldn't have scripted my life any better. I did it all for God as I was called to do. Don't go through the motions, folks. Whether it's in your job, whether it's in your walk with Christ, what you're doing with other people. Remember what Isaiah says. We may be alone, we may be isolated, but God will provide power so that we can do his work. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, Lord, I thank you for the many, many Excellent messages in your word. And Lord, from Isaiah this week, I thank you for the encouragement that comes to a people that were separated, that were going through the motions, trapped in a foreign land. And Lord, as we look at our own lives, it's easy to put ourselves in that position. Lord, help us to avoid the burnout, to fight isolation. Help us to acknowledge our sin and to embrace you in everything we do, Lord. Give us the power to do your work. Now, and so at the end of our life, when we look back, we have no regrets of what we did for you. It's in your name we pray.